All right, so court says we're good. So I guess we'll start this podcast. This is Right at the Fork, and this is Chris Angeles. I am happy to be here with you talking about the Portland food scene. I do a thing called Portland Food Adventures. You're welcome to look that up online and join us at one of our events. Uh, But I also do this, which is talking to some fantastic people that are making up what I think is one of the most exciting food scenes in the country. I'm also very close to it. Uh, But in this case, uh, there has been a lot of talk and a lot of do about pop-up dinners. Uh, Kusama Rowe, who also goes goes by the name of Kumi, uh, does Ruchikala dinners. And that is a, it's a fusion. She uses the word, so I feel comfortable in using it, between Mexican and her Indian cuisine that she developed in Tucson, Arizona, in her mom's kitchen. She started doing dinners there for friends. They eventually told her they should charge people for this, and that's what she started doing. Eventually made her way to Portland, Oregon, and started doing the dinners here. Our wonderful producer, Heather Jones, uh, attended a dinner of hers a few weeks ago and came back and said, we need to have Kumi on the show. So that's what we're doing, and we're going to talk to her about her private catering and her pop-up dinner life right now and where she's going with it. Uh, Very interesting story, and I hope you enjoy it. We have yet to have anybody tweet while they're sitting here. (laughs) But we've only had one guest who brought in an iPad. That was kind of cool. I was like, I'm going to make sure that I take a picture when I come in. Oh, you take, we'll we'll have pictures. Okay. Just don't take a picture of me, that's all. <laughs> You're off limits. No, I'm not off limits. <laughs> Heather knows I, I. whenever there's pictures taken of me and I'm not ready. <laughs> and I want them up. Yeah. So thank you for coming, Kumi. Yeah, no, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. So I've heard, a, it's kind of a good mix here. I've heard a little bit about you. Yeah. But I don't know much about you. So I'm going to learn with everybody else. All right, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Because Heather went to a dinner of yours where you cooked for... The introduction of Render Magazine. Yeah, I yeah. How did yeah. you get that gig? How did that come up? You know, it's really funny. I think I just ended up seeing them on Twitter, um, getting really, really excited um, about the prospect of a feminist food magazine, um, and just kind of tweeting at them. And then I had another friend that did uh, pop-up dinners in Portland um, with her um, her partner, uh, the table at Yamhill, and they actually. I guess uh, Render had contacted them to, to do a launch for us, and, and they are actually went on a cross-country bike uh, trip and now are in the U.K., and we're like, no, you know, we can't do it. But cross-country, this, and they're in the U.K.? Did they, <laughs> did they negotiate the Atlantic? Like, biked over water. Um, no, yeah, I think, they, think they, they, they went from Astoria to um, Atlantic City. Um, and made it, I feel like, in 45 days, which is amazing. Wow. And then hopped on a plane and decided that they're going to open something. That's, in a, UK, that's an interesting starting point and end point. Astoria and Atlantic City. Yeah. Yeah. They Why really wanted to make in it in Atlantic a... City. What was the. Per- I, think... I guess this is off topic. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't understand why someone would want to end there. Yeah. It's not the first it's thing that dying. comes to my mind, but they're awesome people. So I'm sure they had amazing reasons. I'm sure they had good reasons. <laughs> yeah. So, you're do- so they're doing pop ups. You're doing pop ups too. Is it, is yeah. it true that it's 45? 
14% of the population of Portland is now doing pop-up dinners? You know, I think it is. It, I de- yeah, it's de- it's everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's like anytime I, I see anyone selling anything, I'm like, oh, is this like a like pop-up gum stand? Like pop-up, you know, it's just, it's a thing. It's, a, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's very organic. Yeah. I think it's very... Uh, you know, you look at some of the success stories of Portland, and that's how they started. Too. Absolutely, Naomi Pomeroy. Yeah. I don't know if you call them pop-up dinners, but they were suppers. Fam- yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we have a kind of a rebirth of it, and it's yeah. not just now. It started last year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the language has changed a lot over the years. Um, when I was doing this, I first started doing this in Tucson in about um, two thousand. 10 or so, 2011 yeah, so or so. Um, but we would just call them underground supper clubs. Right. Well, um, I, I think there's a problem with like, the definition of pop-up dinners because yeah. once the Oregonian anointed that the restaurant of the year, yeah. then everybody said, well, is Holdfast really a pop-up dinner? They're in the same place every, you know, every week, three days a week. Yeah. And then Long Bond, same thing. It's not really pop-up. It's in, their rest, it's in the back of the restaurant. So, yeah. So yours is really a pop up, and yours is also you do private catering. That yeah. is that the is that the main purpose of what you're doing? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that the pop ups for me just um, they uh, I keep. I they, it started as just something that I was doing for friends that turned into something that I ended up getting paid for. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, I I you I kind of keep it around because it's just a really nice way for me to. Um, just kind of get all of my creative expression out. So um, when I want to play around with different menu items and get really experimental, I feel like I um, have this really wonderful ripe audience to um, to just test uh, different things that I'm dreaming about on. So I think uh, I think that it it's a really great creative outlet for me, and I really love doing them. It's definitely a lot of work, um, but it just kind of it keeps me kind of sane and balanced with all of the other things that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, just definitely um, pushes me creatively. So. so, what else are you doing? Um, so, I I do I have a lot of uh, some clients in in Tucson, and I do personal mm-hmm. chef work and uh, a lot of cooking classes, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, definitely uh, personal chef work as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm always kind of bouncing from like one project to another. Um, do a lot of uh, events with different wineries and and things. I'm working a lot with Patton Valley um, on different uh, menus for their wines. It's a really like. So you started this in Tucson. Yeah. Okay. So my knowledge of Tucson was vast. Mm. No oh, longer good. though. I, I graduated from University of Arizona. Right on. I'm not going to say how many years ago, but if I start talking about. You know, I I was into the college restaurant scene yeah. at the time. Oh, so, okay. So, like, all I can remember, I can remember a few places, but yeah. my favorite place, and I still, once in a while, when I get down to Tucson, every five years, yeah. Casa Molina, the chimichangas at Casa oh, Molina. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm sure that's kind of like a commercial thing now, looked at <laughs> it that way. But they were great. They were awesome. And uh, anytime I've ever anybody's ever gone to Tucson and I've told yeah. them to do that. you tell them they've, to do Casa Molina. They've been yeah. happy, but there used to be a place called Scordados, which is going to date me, I, which used I to be out of Gates Pass. And it was like the night, the fine dining experience in Tucson. Interesting. Yeah. And, and they closed a few years ago. I okay. Heard. Yeah, I did hear about it. I think that those, those uh, restaurants might have been outside of my 
yeah. Well, they're outside <laughs> of your time frame. You weren't even born yet. So what? Uh, what's this, the scene like in Tucson now? And how did you get this started? Those are two different questions. Yeah, we'll start sure. With, start with the scene or start yeah, with the Yeah, what's the scene like in Tucson So now? it's really interesting. Um, it's changed so much over the past five years. And... Um, I think uh, right now, every every time I go back to Tucson, I, I see so many new restaurants that um, just kind of have a lot of the the same like Portland aesthetic and a lot of the same menu items. It's really interesting. It very it, it, the menus definitely seem like they're inspired by um, a lot of Portland, uh, you know, mainstays. So I think um, there are a lot of places around the country that now are yeah. You, you know, it may not be because of Portland, but they're yeah. very Portland like. Yeah. What's going on? I even see that in Seattle. Yeah. So. I think the restaurant scene definitely um definitely seems to be um mirroring a lot of uh stuff that's happening in Portland, but I feel like uh there's a lot of a really amazing stuff in kind of like the local food scene um in Tucson that's been happening over the past like 10, 12 years. Um, Are they stepping out of Southwest and Mexican and into, because you were doing Indian down there. I don't yeah. remember any Indian when I was there. I remember Fern Bars. Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of Indian food um, in Portland, but, um, or sorry, in Tucson. Um, Either. But, yes. No, there isn't. Um, but uh, there's just a lot of people that have been really connected to small farms down there that have worked really hard to support a lot of um, underground food artisans that are doing, um, yeah, just prep projects kind of like mine. Um, but wouldn't that naturally lead them to Southwest kind of Sonoran fare because that's what the farms are producing? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think that, um, to a certain extent, I think people, some people in Tucson just like really want to shed the idea that like the only good food that you can, you know, get in Tucson is like Mexican food. And, and a lot of people don't really embrace, I feel like the, their culinary heritage there. But I think that, um, but I think that there are, that the people that are really working hard to support a lot of the like heritage grain movements and the local um, food scene, um, they're really embracing kind of, you know, where they're coming from with a lot and, and the tradition of so many of these um really fantastic uh crops that they're uh like tepary beans and choya buds and all these really interesting uh native foods um that are going there like just celebrating kind of where they're coming from which is like the sonoran you know like a lot of the um a lot of the um yeah just a, a lot of a lot of these traditional recipes that you know the natives have been um preparing for so long i think that there is definitely um a lot of energy to there was that kind of energy, but it was mostly divey kind of things when I, I remember yeah. it, you know, there. And now it's grown up. Tucson has an artistic bent, much like Portland does. Yeah. I feel like it did. You know, there are a lot of cities I would point to that Santa Fe, Tucson. Yeah. Tucson certainly feels more creative to me than Portland. I mean, than uh, not Portland, Phoenix. Oh, yes, absolutely. Tucson and Phoenix don't get along. No, no. I know. I know. Well, they're going to be one at some point. Well, no, they're not. It's not going to happen. Yeah. They used to think that now because of the because of water. That's never yeah. going to happen. They're never going to grow. But you know what always amazes me is that Tucson, and we'll get to Portland in a little bit, yeah. but Tucson um, is the 70, I don't know exactly where, but 77th, 78th largest city in the country. And it feels larger when you're there. Yeah. It doesn't feel like down in the 70s. I mean, we're at 22. Wow. Portland. So yeah. Is it that much, it's that much smaller. So what got you... What what got you to uh, so you're mixing Indian and Mexican kind of fare and 
yeah. during a fusion? We don't want to call it fusion, I'm sure. It's so funny. People really don't they like the word, the word fusion anymore. I don't. I. I it's funny. I. I'm fine with the word. I'm fine with the word fusion, but I know it's something that that makes people. Yeah, well, feel it's a the same thing as foodie. People don't like the word foodie because yeah. they don't know what the exact definition is. Yeah, I think. I think. I definitely think that there's a lot of people that are. Um, um, I don't know, turned off by uh, just, I keep using this example, but just like, ah, I put like ramen and a taco and we have like this uh, Japanese-Mexican fusion. But I think that um, so much of even traditional Indian food to begin with has been um, influenced by travel and like there's just like Goan cuisine couldn't exist without um, the Portuguese influence. Like we, India got chilies from the New World. So um, so much of the region's food is already, um, it's just not in a bubble for sure. Um, so the, I feel like the, my style of food, I just grew up really not liking Indian food weirdly. Um, but, uh, you know, just absolutely loves Mexican food. Um, learned how to, you know, cook all the staples and, um, got really excited with, about it. Um, but then also just, just kind of the same time going through my mother's spice pantry and trying to figure out how to um, how to cook with all of these different spices and figure out how they work and um, it kind of came through in the context of like my Mexican food discovery like learning how to make these um, dishes and as I started to learn more about both Indian cuisine and Mexican cuisine um, I started to see so many parallels between the two um, they use very similar spices like if you're making um, a mole I love making moles um, mole building is very similar to curry building, but there's just like a different emphasis on different parts of the process. But they uh, both cuisines, especially South Indian uh, cuisine. My parents are South Indian. That's um, a lot of what I do is South Indian food. I definitely do like the North Indian Punjabi uh, fare as well. But um, they have a preference for bitter and, and sour uh, notes balanced very similarly the same way as like a lot of really awesome like Oaxacan uh, cuisine does. And so yeah, it just it kind of comes together. It 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 works. Is there a lot of Oaxacan down there? Is it more Sonoran? I d- more Sonoran, absolutely, right. absolutely more. Yeah, yeah, Sonoran street food. Just you know, I don't know. And that's my that's that's my favorite. You know, like the really fantastic tortillas that are like unleavened and stretchy. And I uh, wish I remember the name of the place we used to get them. So so thin. So oh yeah, and, and the flour, the yeah, flour the stretchy flour, like the oh, flour yeah. tortillas yeah. that were so thin. They're oh, paper thin, and we used to make cheese crisps. Oh, college stuff. I'm you going know, back in a couple of days. I'll bring some back to you. Oh, someone did. Someone did a while ago, and oh, I yeah? left them in the car <laughs> for too long. And they, anyway, yeah. I I would love that. That would be awesome because yeah. those are fantastic. So, how did you get started? So, were you home trained? Did you? You basically started playing around in your mother's kitchen and you became an awesome cook doing that? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, I, I experimented a lot when she would go to work and I just kind of like start little kitchen projects. And um, yeah, I think I, I started, um, that was like my, my hobby, I feel like when I was about 13 to um, 19 or so, just trying to make super elaborate meals and it just kind of got um more and more involved from there um it was just like so my hobby a little ocd maybe to get oh, to that point yeah actually <laughs> now that i think about it, <laughs> it i think i think to, to do what you're talking about you have to you know otherwise you'd be off in another direction but Absolutely. if you keep going with it yeah you're obsessed it really it, yeah it nothing I, I i've never been 
I've never considered myself a per- perfect perfectionist. Wow, that's really funny that I couldn't say perfectionist. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that I've ever uh, thought of myself as a perfectionist. But um, with food, oh my goodness, like it's never it's never good enough. Like it, it so yeah, it makes perfect. Sense. It's always like I've got to work on this, this, that, and the other. Like every time I take a taste of something, like. You know, like the coriander is not hitting where it's supposed to be. Like the like the turmeric's not acting as the right mediator between like the black cardamom and then you know just. And how of, did you know that though? How do how you know? I really have zero training, and yeah. I'm in the kitchen, and I I guess you have to be obsessed to get to the point where you're saying it doesn't have enough of this, and it's not working as the right agent. Yeah. Um, did you read books or how did? Yeah, how definitely did... read a lot of books. Um, you know, I, I think I, I def, you know, yeah, I absolutely, you know, every night I go home and I curl up with uh, a cookbook or five or so. And it, um, but I think, uh, I think, I think that I just like get into a very meditative space with food and um and I just I'm always like listening for things. I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to get the most out of whatever like curry or, you know, um, that I'm making um, so that it. Um, yeah, just so that it that that all of these um, different spices have a reason to be there. Like I um, I've always I always like am going through like spice cabinets and eating raw spices and trying to like determine like what are the what are the pleasant characteristics of this spice that would balance well against like this vegetable or this grain and and what are the more harsh notes that might alienate someone that I'd want to like use another um you know like another aromatic to balance with and um and then how do you deal with spice because everybody has different spice thresholds like what's your spice like one to ten like very hot and then like you know I I think 10 years ago spice was never it was never an issue yeah. And now everywhere you go, you have to, you know, I know my threshold. And yeah. it's funny when I'm meeting with people and I think something is perfect, I will always point that, point out, this is exactly where I like it, yeah. right here. <laughs> and any more, and I'm probably a little miserable, and, yeah. and any less, and it's still good <laughs> to me. I'd rather yeah. err on the, I'd, so oh, how, on do the you, how do you deal yeah. with that? And I also wanted to ask you, uh, tell us one of, your, one of the dishes you just made at the dinner. What, what? Describe it. Oh, okay. What was it? Okay. Um, well, uh, one of the dishes that I did, I think I did uh, a... It doesn't have to be that dinner. <laughs> a recent dinner. Flesh, sure. It was a flesh theme. The flesh theme. Okay, so yeah. So that 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 was... Um, I was super excited about that, but at the same time, uh, meat is not my strong suit. So I just kind of uh, flew into this and uh, I was like, all right, like right, let's, let's do it. So I think I did a cured, uh, like a salmon crudo. Um, that uh, just kind of was preserved with um, like a habanero grapefruit gastrique and um, and then uh, swelled basil seeds with like ginger and amaranth. So um, swelled basil seeds is is something used in a um, in a uh, North Indian Pakistani uh drink called faluda which is a dessert that i really love and oftentimes we'll do like a, a rose panna cotta with a swelled basil seed and like white chocolate but this was like the first time using it in a savory application it's really great it it gets really fleshy and swelly <laughs> swelly is not a word um it's just like uh it gets this really it's kind of like chia seeds except for uh, a lot more juicy you know a lot definitely a lot more fleshy it's a fun ingredient to work with oh so how did you did you just how'd you put that together how did I put that together? Like, how did I plate it? Or no, no. How did you conceive of it? 
How did I conceive of it? Man, you know, I don't know. Uh, salmon, salmon here is so great. Salmon is just, um, yeah, not something that I have ever uh, had so good, of course, in, in Arizona. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, so many, like, salmon crudos at restaurants now, I feel like. I've seen a lot of really good ones. And, um, you know. Um, but I guess I'm looking at the process. Do you step, oh, up to like, the, step up to the stove and say, oh. let me try this? Was it in bed? That you came oh, up with the idea. That one was that was definitely in bed. That was definitely <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. I think that one was one I was struggling with because um, I just wanted it to be beautiful, and I struggle sometimes with like making sure that I get all of uh, my flavors into so it, so that the plate is just like it's gorgeous, but it's also just like it makes sense. And so uh, I had just that one. I was like sketching in in my little notepad of like how I wanted this like ideal like salmon crudo to be like plated um and so I just kind of had a sketch of what I wanted it to, to look like um I knew I wanted to incorporate the swelled basil seeds in a savory dish for sure um I always love grapefruit and habanero together um and I love the grapefruit and habanero with the the salmon and then the final piece was just going to the farmer's market and figuring out what greens would um really like come out and pop on the plate so. so you've had to change your change a little bit since you've come to portland because of the ingredients that are available I yes imagine. yes absolutely but what brought you to portland how did you get from tucson to portland so it took, took me um many years like yeah. decades yeah so you you came direct i came here by accident a little bit um i my business was really taking off in tucson and i was um actually gonna think about had some potential investors we're talking about starting a, a brick and mortar um, which wasn't something that I ever really wanted to do, but it was it was starting to go that direction. Um, and I had this, uh, my, my lovely partner was uh, looking at uh, kind of changing up his career and doing something different. And um, he was going to go to grad school in Portland and I was going to stay back in Tucson. Um, and then kind of, you know, before he was leaving, he asked me to come with him. And, um, and he had straight up, you know, asked me before, and my heart melted. I was like, "Oh, of course, I want to come with you." Was it, um, so you're not married? It's your, he's your partner. Oh no, he is. Yeah, we are married. You're married. Yeah, now, I just call him my partner because he's he's my partner. All right. So, <laughs> so, and at that point, were you were you partners? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. We had been married for a while, but you know, he was gonna do school. I was gonna like, you know, do what I would do my thing, and then he would have returned after grad school but I, I was just talking to a lot of my friends in um tucson and they were saying like they didn't want to see me leave but i hadn't lived anywhere else and they were saying it would be really good for me to challenge myself and i knew that like you know there was not as much going on in the food scene in tucson and um it was easy like it was easy for me to start doing what i was doing um and i never um i had never tried to do this in like a more saturated market and and I knew that I needed the challenge. So um, I'm so glad that I did it. Because, and how long ago you know, was that? Uh, I'm going on year three now in, oh, <laughs> in okay. Portland. Yeah, yeah. And I just... You can uh, no longer call yourself new, I think. After I know, a year I guess. two, you gotta, you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you like it? I love it. Do you I, miss Tucson? I love it. So I absolutely miss Tucson. I feel like it's half of my heart. Yeah, but I go back there, and yeah. then, yeah, I go back and I, uh, I get to cook for my clients back there and I um, get to be inspired every every trip back and reconnect with um the csas that i worked with down there and um it, it's really it's really great I, I i love it i love portland i mean it's just so what do you like most about it what what man 
I like that you can walk around and smile. <laughs> like you could just walk down the street and smile um, at your neighbors and say hello. And um, I like that you can just have conversations with people at the grocery store. And um, just yeah, but the problem is you're having a conversation with the checkout person while I'm waiting behind you Uh-oh. after you've already finished your oh, transaction. <laughs> That's one of my beefs with Portland. That continues to go on. You got to sit there and wait for the conversation. And come on, move. I'm 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 super conscious of uh, my surroundings, and uh, and I promise I won't I won't be that person. How about how about I'll, the grocery stores here? When when I was in culture shock. Yeah. When people would walk up to me and say, oh, yeah. "Have you found everything you needed, sir?" You're like, <laughs> uh, "What? Excuse me? You're actually trying to help?" Because the grocery store is back east. That's not the way. That's yeah. not the case. Oh, they're so helpful. The and fact then that I can test you, chilies at the they, grocery store before I leave is just yeah, like no, just bite into that chili. They ask. Oh yeah, no, but they're yeah. always asking. And then I haven't noticed it recently, but when I first got here, it was always, "Can we help you out with that, sir?" You know, I was 45 years old. I, do I look like I need help out with this? But it yeah. was so such a kind gesture that I was it was off putting almost because yeah. I had to respond to it. Hmm. So anyway, it's very friendly here. So you yeah. like to smile I, and I not like be and not be looked at as strange. Yes, and was that yeah. the case in Tucson? Um, well, I definitely living. It's really funny. I, um, I grew up kind of in the suburbs of Tucson, and then uh, moved uh, to down like the heart of downtown um you know the, where are like, the suburbs of tucson now because they've changed since i know so it was technically marana okay. i think now it's might be just pima county but i camino de la tierra and uh i don't know like northwest northwest mm-hmm. uh tucson uh just kind of on the the out outskirts and close, and close to where the air the airplane grave site is no that's that's maybe a little bit far off i mean i'm just kind of on cool. the on the cusp, it is. It is a really. Got to awesome Google place. that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was. It was not friendly where I grew up. It was. It was not. I wasn't really welcome in that area. So Did it I have to do with it. your ethnic ethnicity? Yes. That you weren't Mexican. I, I no, not because I, I actually grew up in a white neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and they were not. Um, they just. They didn't know how to place me. It was kind of conservative and. Um, you know, my my parents are Hindus, so I don't know. Like, it, it just it, nothing about um, nothing about those still differences. In that worked. Uh, they are, yeah, I mean, they I mean, are. It's 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 really interesting to come back to. When I moved to downtown Tucson, it's a totally different place. Like, it's mm-hmm. just it reminds me so much of my neighborhood um, here in Portland, and um, and it's just wonderful. It's a, it's just a totally it's a night and day. Uh, as soon as you uh, get into the central and downtown Tucson. Uh, area it's just it's in the west side especially west west tucson's fantastic it's really really friendly but um yeah i didn't really much like uh where i spent the first like you know 18 years of my life so so you came to portland and how did you start marketing yourself or getting yourself gigs yeah um when i got here uh i think i first just uh did you go on the street and just smile and hope that people (laughs) do you cook linger at the grocery (laughs) store I, I tried to market myself, I guess, the same way that I did in Tucson, and I quickly realized that it's just a very different market. Um, uh, I think that one of the things that caught me off guard is, like, in Tucson, I uh, Facebook is exact is the best way for me to connect with my audience and um, and get them excited about what I'm doing. But here, it's Instagram and Twitter. And um, Heather, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I reject it. 
Instagram and Twitter too much. I just oh, I'm so yeah. much more comfortable with Facebook. That's why. yeah, yeah. You know, I it's, have a hard time with the characters in the square shots. It, it's a totally different language. Um, it's uh, it's just it's got a different feel. It's so interesting how how you use these two. Uh, well, I say it's I think more specifically uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. You can use them very differently to connect with your. Um, base, but once I started to kind of get a hang of how Instagram works, um, it was, it was super effective and it's great. When I'm playing around in the kitchen and I come up with this, you know, crazy, you know, dish that I'm playing around with and I just snap a picture of it and I get to like connect with people that are really excited to know more about it. And, and then I get to meet so many, it was such a great tool for me to meet so many other, um, like chefs in this area and people that are doing really great stuff with food. And so. they're approachable. That's one of the nice Absolutely. things about Portland is yeah. that the chefs are all completely approachable yes. and not competitive. Absolutely. That was the, that was such a, that was, that was definitely surprising for me. And, you know, in the, the established restaurant scene in Tucson, um, I always had a really hard time connecting with, um, with chefs. I felt like there was like a lot of ego and it was, um, it was just difficult, um, for me to to network with established restaurant chefs, um, but here it's really interesting. They're all um, so friendly, and they are really excited about what you're doing, and um, and they are really interested in building community. And I think that's just so great. I think it's great that they like want to work with other chefs to make um, Portland's food scene even better. Like it's it's inspiring. It's what I think what makes it special and yeah. what helps it grow is because everybody's helping one another and everybody's yeah. collaborating and they're not working against one another. Totally. So and there's that network of, you know, one chef talking about another and Yeah. So are there any particular chefs that come to mind that you hooked up with or connected with? Yeah. Uh, felt felt a connection with when you first started walking around with yeah. a smile on your face? I'm sorry so I about <laughs> <stop> that. <laughs> Heckler. Um I think uh you know, I definitely um well I've met a lot of people in the in the food scene that um that are working on different projects like I, I guess um Sarah and Dirk Marshall with Marshall's hot sauce um I got mm-hmm. connected with them and they are such wonderful people and have just kind of helped me so much to orient myself and um we should have them on you should ha- absolutely we have absolutely them on should. yeah they're, <laughs> they're, so they're next up right after, this. Right oh, after this. I'll call them right now um yeah no they're they're so great, and um, the no, they are. That was what Heather was alluding to. They're yeah. coming. You'll see them. Oh, they you'll are? pass them. You're kidding me. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, well, yeah, um, yeah, their their sauces are so great. You get to learn so much more about them. But um, yeah, Sarah's got an awesome palette for chilies, which is my I'm I'm obsessed with chilies. I'm so in love with what she's doing, and I feel like they're super supportive. And um, like I don't know, just being able to get to talk with like you know, um, a Patrick McKee. At Paley's mm-hmm. place, and um, Ken Norris, who's um, you know, open up clutch soon, clutch which is really on. exciting. Yeah. You know, just like really his humble. His Facebook feed is really interesting lately. I'm sure it's on his Instagram. Feed yeah, too. yeah, they're just really humble guys that just know so much about uh, food, and it's just um, and they want to share it with and you. Absolutely, like yeah, it's Ken's just been such a great ear for me, and um, and he's just he's doing incredible things. So, How did you yeah. meet him? Did you meet him when he was at Riffle or just? After? I actually just met him through, uh, I think, Dirk and Sarah and Instagram. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very yeah, cool. Sure. Where are you other than Paley's, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, is a great spot to go. But where else are you enjoying in Portland right now? What, um, what floats your boat? I really like Maru, which the, the Japanese uh, 
yeah. Um, Where's that? That's at uh, 38th and Division. Um, and it's just really it, the the um, this it's so different from I feel like so many other uh, Portland restaurants that just the aesthetics really like comfortable and um, really friendly. They just have really fantastic um, uh, salmon collar karage that's just delicious. Um, and uh, biscuits at Loretta Jeans mm-hmm. there a little too too frequently. Um, um, I just had a nice quiche there the other day. She's got amazing uh, pastry butter management techniques. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. her her stuff is is so great. I don't even eat. I'm terrified of eggs, but uh, her quiche is fantastic. Yeah, they're scary things. They- <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You're just you. It's fun to give you a little bit of. You don't know me that well, so sometimes when you don't know someone, you don't take it the wrong way. Um. Yeah, so then uh, other places that I really love in Portland. Um, what about some Indian food? Where would you tell people to go for Indian? I, You know, I actually went to a place in Beaverton that uh, had a really fantastic masala dosa that I felt like um, was was pretty good and rivaled my mother's. Uh, I think, is it Abhi, Abhishek? Abiruchi, yes, yes, Abiruchi. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, I actually really, I, I did like their food. I just have to push myself to drive to Beaverton, which is totally um, worth it. Um, I just recently ate. Heather will give you a ride sometime. <laughs> that sounds It'll great. That sounds great. There. And what about Mexican? Um, Man, I'm still, I'm still looking. I'm still, I go to Tucson so often and, and yeah, I have tough, a particular, then. you know, yeah. I, I, I have my taquerias in Tucson that I just really love the way they do everything and, uh, and I just kind of go to Tucson for it. I did just eat at Lovely's 50-50 and mm-hmm. I got to say that Lovely's is Their salads mind. are fantastic like, and yeah. the pizzas are great. She's using all, you know, uh, naturally leavened sourdough crusts and um, they're beautiful. She's very... Um, she's very creative with what she does, and her ice creams are fantastic. So, yeah, definitely just ate there, and that kind of blew my mind. Okay, so real quickly, your friends come to town from Tucson. They want the Portland experience yeah. in one or two days. Where do you send them? Uh, well, my, my Portland experience, I send them to my friend's farm in, in North Portland, mm-hmm. uh, Blue House Greenhouse Farms, which is on the corner of Williams and Cook, this really tiny uh, quarter acre plot that's growing um some really incredible things the best tomatoes that uh i've ever had in portland i would take them to the psu farmer's market for sure mm-hmm. and have them test out all of the Smart marshall's move. hot sauce yes absolutely um i would uh definitely have them get the foie plate at uh the seared foie at uh, paley's which uh is stunning and um Def, do I definitely have them have to get the biscuit and just like strawberry freezer jam at Loretta Jeans toasted perfectly, um, and then definitely send them to tomorrow after that. So very nice. Yeah, yeah. It's more the unconventional, more unconventional Portland. Oh, uh, they're the, well. Everything's sort of unconventional yeah. <laughs> here. So what's conventional? Yeah. So um, as you, so, how are you getting your gigs now? How's that? It's is it all. Is it word of mouth at this point? Have you developed a really nice word of mouth? Yeah, I think I get a. Um, I definitely have um, a lot of connections that I get through some of the gigs that I uh, work at with uh, different wineries and things. And then um, there's Instagram word of mouth. I think is probably um, is probably uh, where I'm getting the most right now. Um, just people who have um, you know heard about my breads or like my pop ups or. 
Um, or just, yeah, I think Instagram. <laughs> so you said before that you weren't interested in a brick and mortar, but the natural progression of success is to get to the point where, okay, I guess I should just open my brick and mortar. Yeah. Is that something you, you don't want to do, you do want to do down the road? What do you see for your business down the road? You know, I think uh, sometimes I think about it, but it, it would just have to be a very specific thing. I mean, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I'm um, interested in doing a brick and mortar. Just, but if there was a, a way that I could do that and still be able to connect with everyone that's coming through and eating my food, if I could keep things very small, um, you know, I'm I didn't I didn't start doing food to to get rich. Like there's just uh, it's hard to make money in food, and it's hard to um, make money in food and make sure that you're like paying your producers and farmers a decent salary and and all of that. And if there was a way to make that sustainable, um, I think I could consider it. But um, how are you on the money side? Because you can't, you know, you can be great in the kitchen and yeah. that other side. You can just Absolutely. Not... Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not, I'm not raking it. <laughs> but well, no, um, I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't necessarily asking yeah. you how much you were making, but yeah. how are you at, at the business side of the business? Yeah. And, and would you do that? Would you steer away from it because you don't want to you know, concentrate on that end. You're able now to be very creative and yeah. cook, and that's the focus as opposed to payroll and deliveries yeah. and, and sourcing. Absolutely. And, well, you do sourcing and you do deliveries, but it's yeah. not on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, exactly. So you're saying um, how how do I feel like I'm managing that kind of... Well, how do you feel like you're managing that, and are you in a position, if you got to brick and mortar, to do it there? Hmm. Well, I... I would say that um, I would say that that I I could definitely use some work. I could <laughs> I could be a lot better with how I am managing um, that that side of of what I'm doing. But um, you can you like, hire someone, but you still have yeah. to you have to know a little bit so that yeah. you're on top of them. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, I think that the where I'm at right now and and the things that I'm prioritizing right now, like my cooking classes and um, and keeping the pop-ups to, you know, just like two a month or, um, how often are you doing the cooking classes? Um, I'm actually trying to do that about four times a month now. And where do Um, those take place? So right now I'm going to be doing them at the Masala Pop Kitchen, the, uh, which is at 1640 Southeast third, I believe. And where do people Um, find information? Uh, that's actually going to be coming out Soon I'll have uh, information on my website. When Which I, is my while we're office. there. Yeah, uh, my website is ruchikala.com. R U C H I K A L A dot com. Um, yeah, and that's uh, where I'll be having my uh, events for my upcoming uh, cooking classes. So everything's there the uh, events. Yeah. Cooking classes, yeah. pop-up dinners. Yeah, if people want to get uh, on, I've always just um, managed a separate email list for uh, people that want to be uh, sent invites for my pop-up dinners. And yeah, you can just email chef at ruchikala.com. So are you, um, are you just planning them one after one? Or are you just going by, you get a call and this is what you want, you know, this is a... A possibility that's coming up. How are you? How are you planning out your pop up dinners? Uh, I think that's usually just depends on whether I feel excited about a menu. A lot of times when I uh, go to Tucson, I'll come up with some really interesting dishes, bring some ingredients back from Tucson, and 
um, and schedule um, and schedule a pop up dinner. So usually I give people like a week and a half notice or so when I'm ready to have an um, an event together. I put a list on an Eventbrite and then uh, send out emails. Do you have a, a strong following so that most of your most of your customers are those that have been with you before? Or you- yeah, yeah. I a have week a, and a half isn't a lot of lead time. No, it isn't. It isn't. I have a lot of, uh, I def- have, definitely have a, a strong base of folks that um, are, I have a lot of repeat customers. So. And how many are your dinners? Huh? Uh, I try to keep them at 12. I try to keep it as intimate as possible. Um, you know, I've done s- some before that are like 20, 24, um, but I really like to keep them small and make sure everyone's able to meet everyone else and it's you know, so and w- how many courses and what what's the uh, what's the what's the tab? Uh, so I usually do between six and seven courses for mm-hmm. about forty five dollars, um, forty between forty five fifty five. Um, nice. Yeah. And yeah. are you pairing it? Are you? Uh, yeah, a lot of times I'll often um, have wine pairing suggestions for people to bring. It's a BYOB thing. Um, sometimes I'll um, definitely pair with. Really, I've been working with. Um, the Helioterra wines after mm-hmm. the render dinner. Her right. wines are fantastic. Are. Um, she has an Arnais that works so well with Indian food. And um, I work so much with Patton Valley uh, vineyards, and they have really great wines that I feel like pair um, really well with a lot of the Mexican fusion dishes that I do. So I usually like to use their wines as much as possible. They've got great stuff. And is it true that Mexican usually doesn't pair well with wine? So when you add the Indian ingredient element to it you're but you it get closer better. to that i think that the, the they're both really tricky to pair with just be, especially because the kind of food that i do is uh so assertive it's very like i like to do more aggressive uh more aggressive food so um and it does get really tricky to pair with with both the the smoke you have the smoky dense kind of mexican chilies um that can just kind of totally butcher <laughs> so many of the delicate pinots that are um out here but um but yeah there's it's amazing like um you know Patton Valley I think it was like the 2012 their 2012 um I think it was the clone 777 it goes so well with Mole Verde and um it was just it was one of these amazing finds I think that uh that the you know, the, the Mexican food is just so difficult, or the, and both the Indian food are just so difficult to work with. But when you find, uh, you know, a wine, like an, especially uh, an unconventional wine that you wouldn't imagine to pair, you know, uh, so well with those, it, it just gets really exciting when you find it. Well, it, and it makes it more fun because yeah. it's more of a challenge. So yeah, it's a absolutely. Big ding, ding. It's not just, well, we could do any one of yeah, these 30. Yeah, absolutely. would be fine. Yeah. Um, what about cocktails? Do you do cocktails with your I do. Because that would be interesting. I to do. Me. I do a lot of Indian, uh, just a lot of different kinds of Indian uh, cocktails. Um, I like to do a lot of, um, make a, do a lot of spice infusions and uh, chili syrups and things like that. So I've been playing around with that for a few years. And I, yeah, that definitely, definitely goes over well. All right. So I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody else is, we talked about your website, mm-hmm. but your Instagram, since you're using that yeah. prolifically. Yeah, prolifically. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, just, I think it's just, I'm just Ruchikala on Instagram, R-U-C-H-I-K-A-L-A. Um, I'm really bad at Twitter, but, uh, but Instagram, I feel like is. Well, good. That's your thing. So yeah. we'll send people there and we'll yeah. go there. That sounds great. And we'll have to come to one of your dinners soon. Heather said 
nothing but wonderful things about it, which is why you're here. She oh. thought it was we had to introduce you to our audience. Oh, that's great. Well, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah, really thank you so it. much for having me. Very nice. Yeah.